Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we're vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about that story where God creates Adam and Eve, basically tells them to have sex and to be vegan. If you're wondering what in the world I'm talking about, we're talking about Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31 with me. For the very first time on The Move is my good friend, Pastor Kessia. Pastor, what's going on? Hey, we're, we're just here trying to stay safe in winter weather. But right. we're good. We're good. We, we were talking about how you just got an alert on your phone that where you're at is like 80 mile per hour winds, like thunderstorm warnings, like all kinds of crazy things. They even canceled school because of wind. I've never heard of it before, but there's first time for everything. So we're trying to stay safe out here. <laughs> well, we'll make sure that this episode goes nice and quick so that way you can go back to your shelter or back with your family or whatever it is that you do when there's 80 mile hour winds. So let's dive into this. I said that the, uh, the episode is about sex and veganism. You were talking to me beforehand about how you actually read the chapter or read the passage in the Hebrew, which is a language I know nothing about. And so I'm wondering, how well did my summary translate f- through the original text? <laughs> you know, as a summary, I think it was right on point. I- nice. When I was an early Christian, I was at college and they had a big festival. My favorite holiday used to be Earth Day, which is April 22. And so they were having an Earth Day celebration on my college campus. And there was a Christian group that had a, a booth there. And they had these bumper stickers that said, God's ideal of paradise was hanging out with two naked people naked vegetarians or something like that and i that really struck me and it's really a direct reference to this exact passage like is god's idea of paradise like two naked vegetarians you know like 
free love, having sex and, and being vegans, you know? So I think, there, I think you're hitting on some key, key ideas here. Yeah. There's something here because, you know, when we think about the God of the Bible and his or her or it's or whatever the proper pronouns is in today's society, um, it, God's relationship to sex, we oftentimes think that that God is approved if you if you pay attention to how the public media will portray God. And yet, it seems as though that the very first thing that God tells mankind to do is to have sex. And that's kind of a really cool starting place for the entire story, that our relationship with our creator is one where he's like, hey, go have fun. I've created this amazing gift for you, and I want you to partake in it. It's true. And he actually says so in the, the, in the sense of, to go be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. So it's a really productive kind of fun. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. It, it, I don't know what, what, what some of the things that we can learn from this is, you know, when God gives us, uh, like calls us into something. I, I don't think that it's, you know, sometimes we have this idea that what, what God wants us to do versus what I want to do oftentimes are at kind of opposite ends. Like I want to have fun. I want to do all these cool things and great things in the world. And yet what God wants me to do, I'm gonna have to sacrifice. And there's absolutely truth in in the need to sacrifice but there's this over kind of this over characterization where it's distilled down to if you do what god wants life's really gonna suck and that's not how the story starts for us not at all in fact i think one of the key takeaways from genesis these early chapters i mean think about what the word genesis means it means beginning and we use it now in english to mean like a creative start to something Mm -hmm. and what we see here is creativity on display and it's it's ordered and it's intentional and it's not just crazy, like throwing spaghetti at the wall kind of creativity, but God is being very creative. And one of the things we see in this account where he creates humanity is he invites us into that same creativity to produce, to partake, to be placed, to be uh, in God's image, to be in community, to be together. Things that really make life meaningful and and valuable. It's all right here in Genesis 1. I, I love that you point that out because this was actually some of the questions that I came away from the text is, is, is what does it really mean to be made in God's image? And why is like the creative impetus such an important part of the origin story of humanity? And I'm wondering, are, are those two tied together? Because I know that when I was a child, I would read the, the, the idea that God said, let's make man in our image. I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, I look like God. And maybe there's some truth to that. And, you know, like, I, I can't help but think of this, like, world history quote that I was forced to memorize in, in high school, where it was like, black people have black gods, white people have white gods. If horses could draw, their gods would look like horses. It's this idea that we create God in our image. But the converse is that God, some in some meaningful sense, created us in his image. And I, I, I guess as a kid, I just... That's what we look like. But is there something more to it to be, to be made in God's image? Oh, that is a question that has such rich stuff around it. And yes, there is definitely more to it than that. Um, as you read the passage, a few things stick out. So one of them is that um, in Genesis 1, 27, God creates humankind in God's image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. So one of the things that's tricky for our English to keep up with in the passage is we've typically read this to mean, um, God says, let us make a, let, let us make man in our image. That's the Hmm. old language that kind of sticks with us. And that makes it sound like male person. 
So that, that, that Adam was created in God's image and then Eve was kind of a byproduct of Adam. Is, is, is this what you're saying that most people kind of have this picture in their mind? Yeah, exactly. And, and the, but this verse 27, chapter one, makes it clear that actually it's the togetherness that's part of the image. Hmm. So there's that. And, and they actually have to be together to fulfill the rest of the commission that they receive from God. You cannot be fruitful and multiply on your hmm. own. Hmm. That you, you're, you can't do that. And you're not meant to have this kind of royal uh, dominion or royal stewardship on your own either. So I think that's important to know too. The image of God is actually related to our being placed in community and being in relationships. It's not just out here in the image of God. I, I remember when I was, uh, maybe you don't know this about me, but I, I did do a little bit of time at a, at a small Bible college in Arizona. And I would remember when I was preparing Bible studies to argue with, and it really was argue because that was the whole, like that was my mindset at the time. It was to argue against Jehovah's Witnesses. And I remember studying the Trinity. And this was a passage that would show up where God says, let us make man in our image. It's this plural language. And you're talking about how um, what does it mean? It's not just Adam is in God's image. It's not just Eve. It's this communal effect. It's this togetherness. That's what reflects God. Is this a nod to the Trinity? Have, have I been using, quote unquote, using and weaponizing those verses properly? Or, or is there something that I'm missing here? I think it absolutely does point to this Trinity that, that God is, God transcends our understanding. So we're never going to grasp and get God nailed down into some graph or into a box, but we can't miss this language where God is referencing God's self with this plural language. Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. So there's hmm. there's definitely something to recommend, like, you know, this is could be a royal we. And yet that God who uses that that plural language then creates humankind in a plurality as well. So just by based on the words that are being used and then based on what God actually does here, we see community being on the human side and the divine side. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing mutual friend, Ty Gibson. I, I know you know of him, but maybe, maybe you never met him. He, he has this kind of train of thought that he creates or talks about God as, as a being of love. And what does it mean to be love? It means to be other centered, right? God at the, before the creation, before the beginning of time itself, had to, in his essence, be other-focused, but how can he be other-centered? How can he be other-focused if it's God as a singularity? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that this is like a really uh, cool nod to the other-centeredness of God, the fact that he is a duality, maybe we would even say a trinity, that there's there's this mutual give-and-take relationship between even the Godhead in of itself and that, that we get to model it. And so if we can understand how a family unit is in fact one thing, it's not only one thing, there's many other things that comprise of it, but but it is in some meaningful sense, it is one thing that gives us kind of an insight to what the Trinity could mean or what it could look like and or the implication of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at least we know at the heart of it, at the heart of God is relationship. And hmm. in Genesis, we see that God is actually organizing relationships. He recognizes like what my husband tells to my kids all the time when they're arguing or he's making a decision and he's trying to explain to them is life is about relationships. And we could totally say based on this reading of Genesis that God is about relationships and he made yeah. us to be about them too. Yes. And he, and, and he wants to invite us into the joy of what it looks like to engage in relationship and to kind of even perpetuate that moving forward. Hence the uh, imperative, be fruitful 
and multiply. Um, I want before we end, I actually want to look at the last half of my quote unquote summary about like the whole vegan thing. I know that in our community, the Seventh Day Adventist community, some I, I'm, I'm recognizing that many listeners were not raised Adventists like you and I. Or I don't know actually, I don't know if you were raised. Were you raised Adventist? Okay. <laughs> Okay, so many of our listeners are like you who are not raised Adventists, but in our community as Adventists, we, we like to look at these passages and say, ha, that's why you should be a vegetarian. That's why you should be a vegan. That's why the blue zones are so important. We have like this huge pride thing about it. Is, is that a fair treatment of this passage? Is there something that like, I remember years ago making a video, like 10 facts that you might not know about heaven. And one of them was like, you're going to be a vegan in heaven because you're not going to go and kill animals for the sake of your sustenance once like the earth is made new. What's going on here? Yeah, I think to ask that question, we're really asking a question about how do we relate in this life to ideals? Hmm. And so can I take, can I take what God has described as an ideal and use it to like whack other people with? Not a good way of doing it generally. But yeah, what, what we do see here in Genesis is he says, I've given you every plant yielding seed. This is what you will have to eat. So basically you get fruits and, and green things is what you get to eat. And he actually even says, that's what all the beasts of the earth and the birds and everything that creeps on the earth, everything oh, wow. that has the breath of life, that's what they are to eat as well. So the lion well, is like chewing on a piece of broccoli or something like right, that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and what, what kind of a difference does this make? Well, number one, it's already pointing out to us that, um, that God is giving us food. He's actually prepared the earth to sustain us and nourish us. So we receive the, the, the plants of the earth as a gift from God. And the second mm -hmm. thing is that we see that as God is creating this world that over and over again, it's being described as good, 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 good. And at the very, at the very end is very good. Hmm. Nobody's eating something that's alive. Hmm. You know, if it has a mother or it has a face, you know, if it has sentience and consciousness, we're not killing it to eat it. Now on this side of Eden, you know, there are lots of other factors and, and things like that. So is this an ideal? Yes. Can we say that in heaven, like you're saying, we'll all be vegans? I, I think it's a very safe bet. And were they in, in this original earth that was created fresh and pure and everything's going great so far? Yeah, they're eating plants and fruits. Um, and God, I don't know how everyone listening to this would feel about changing their diet that way. But at least in the beginning, God saw everything he had made and it was very good. The, the good news is that the book of Revelation talks about how the tree of life, will its fruit will change depending on its season. So if you're one of those people who's thinking about, man, but if I get to heaven, I can't have a good steak anymore. Is it actually going to be heaven? The good news is, hey, don't worry. There's going to be fruits up in heaven that you've never tried. Probably one of them is going to taste a lot like steak. So you can still have the good taste food, the, the, the good tasting food, but you won't have to actually take life to do it. Um, Cassie, this is normally the point in the podcast where we just end and welcome people to our next episode. You know, that'll drop in the next day or something like that. But since this is your first time being with us on the show, uh, I just want to give listeners an opportunity to get to know you just a little bit. Can you can you share a snap, a couple snapshots of who you are as a person and and what you're engaged with and 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 and, and just give us an insight to who is Kessia? 
Ooh, I can give a little bit there. Um, I can say I'm currently a pastor in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, I've got two little girls. They're amazing and a great husband. I did not grow up as a Christian. I converted to Christianity as a teenager and went on to study theology and, and get masters in it. And I'm studying for a PhD in theology as well. So I like, I like talking theology. I like being nerdy, reading books and delving deep into the deep things of God. Real quick, what's the PhD emphasis focus on? It's a kind of theology called systematic theology, okay. which is really uh, like the broadest view. So systematic theology asks questions like, what does it mean to be human? It mm. asks questions like, um, you know, what would be the, the how, how should we really understand something really broad like death? Hmm. You know, so it, it's kind of the intersection of what we might call philosophy and and religion. Ooh, very cool. Well, I'm super glad that you're a part of the show because I know that there's not any time soon that I'm going to be pursuing a master's, much less a PhD in theology. And so I'm really grateful that you're on the team, that we get to bring our questions to you and learn alongside you. So thanks so much for hanging out with us and we'll see you guys in the next episode.